The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we focus on the vital work being done by Blanche House. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined by Scott Kerman, who's Executive Director for the Blanche House and Farm Programs. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great, Phil. Happy to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I know that it's been really uh, hectic for you guys. Let's just start with the general mission is to provide food and shelter and aid, uh, which sounds, you know, that's simple to say, but not simple to execute. And I would say especially so in these COVID-19 days, how have you guys had to adjust? And that's a huge question. <laughs> yeah, Phil, that, that, is, that is a huge question. And, and um, you know, this, as we are entering into uh, the month of July, right, um, we are uh, well past 100 days since we've had to transition our services from feeding people inside our cafe space in Old Town to feeding out the door. And that was a significant change for us because we've never had to serve this way. And so, you know, we serve three meals a day, six days a week. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, we were serving prior to um, the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, a busy day for us would be maybe 12 or 1300 meals in a day. And when this thing started, we were easily approaching 17, 1800 meals a day, and then 2000 meals a day, um, six days a week, because there was such need for food um, out here on the streets in, in Portland. And especially early on, we were one of a few places that was still open and operating at, at kind of full strength. Let's uh, pin you down in physical location. So the Founders Cafe is really right at the, uh, the, the west side of the Steel Bridge, correct? That's right, right here at, on Gleason and 3rd in what is uh, everybody knows as the Old Town, Chinatown District. How, how did you end up there? I mean, I, I know that it has been historically uh, a, a neighborhood that has had a demographic that has often been uh, food insecure. But how is there a story how you ended up there? Or so, Blanche, yeah, but I'm the, uh, there's there's a great story. Uh, Blanche House is um, is just shy of of seventy years um, in service. Uh, we've been an institution down in this area for for many many decades. It was founded um, by a group of students at the University of Portland um, who were interested in 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 doing a service club. And under, under the direction of a, a priest at the university named Father Kennard, um, they started feeding people who were homeless and, and who needed food down in this area. And it was in um, early 1950, uh, I think about 1952, they had an opportunity to lease some space on a building um, right here on 4th and Gleason. 
and um, in time they were able to purchase the entire property and what they started to do was provide shelter to the men that they were feeding. Our new building opened up about um, seven, eight years ago and it's right next door to the original building. Um, it's about twice as big and so we can now shelter about 45 uh, people and feed many more people inside our cafe, cafe space than, than we used to. I mean, those, those numbers are, inter that's, uh, that's a great story. And I mean, and, and hopefully if any students are interesting, it's very encouraging of the, uh, the legacy that can be created from, from a club like that and from just a good idea. The numbers are interesting. When you say you can shelter 45 people and you're feeding 2,000, how, how are the choices made? Who is in the shelter and, and uh, what, what, um, what tenure or what length of stay can a person have? We're a long-term shelter program. Um, and so our residents are here for um, up to nine months and sometimes in, in certain circumstances, even longer than that. And so we're what's referred to as a high bar entry facility. Um, we have criteria. Um, all the, the men who come and stay here are coming from homelessness or they went from homelessness to drug treatment and then to, to Blanchet House. And um, what we try to do is to give them a good length of time to get themselves situated, to work with a case manager, to identify goals that they want to work on that, that's going to help them find stable employment and then and then stable, you know, affordable and dignified housing. And has there been any turnover during the last hundred days during during COVID quarantine, or or is it did you somewhat just have to hit the pause button? And what forty five men were there is who stayed, or how how has that worked for you with the with the shelter? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we have had some turnover, and it, and, and it's it's been sad. And um, you know, a lot of the guys who are living with us are struggling with addiction. Not everybody at Blanchet House in our downtown facility um, became homeless um, due to addiction. Um, there are lots of reasons why people find themselves on the street. Uh, but this has been a really hard time during the pandemic for people who are um, struggling with addiction, working on their sobriety, because they've lost a lot of their support networks. Right. So if you're somebody who's struggling with an addiction, you're working on your sobriety, you're relying on uh, maybe meetings that you're going to, uh, maybe um, church or some other religious organization is providing that structure for you. Maybe it's it's your parents, you know, your, your family that you're leaning on. Well, during this period of time, of course, everything shut down. We, we weren't having meetings um, in the community. And so. Unfortunately, we did have a number of guys in our shelter where, you know, without that support network, it just, you know, that, you know, addiction is such a struggle. It's, it, you know, they do say it's one day at a time because, you know, I, I think the, the devil was always on your shoulder. Scott Kerman is executive director for the Blanchet House and Farm Programs. And we've been talking a lot about the, the demand for your services. Uh, for the shelter and, and more broadly for uh, the the three meals that are provided six days a week. I want to flip, flip the equation a little bit and talk about the supply because that has some interesting wrinkles to it as well. Um, let's start with an easy question. Who does all the cooking? I mean, 2,000 meals a day, is a, that's, a, 
It's a lot of dishes to, to, to prepare and to wash. It is. And so a, a lot of our, our meal service program is run by residents in our shelter program. Uh, for the first 90 days that they're with us, um, they commit to working in our kitchen and in our cafe space. And after that 90 days, they then can work outside of the program um, in the community. And, and then that's an opportunity for them to start making money and saving it because they're going to live here with free room and board. But for that first 90 days, they're gonna give back to our program. And so we have, we have guys who are amazing um, chefs and, and they do the cooking for us. And uh, we've also, uh, what's been really great the last couple of months is that we've had chefs from some of Portland's best restaurants volunteering um, to cook dinner um, for the people that we're feeding on the street and for our own residents and volunteers in-house. And so we've had um, Chef um, Gregory Gorday. Um, a lot of people know he's a James Beard um, finalist and um, a Bravo Top Chef um, uh, finalist. And we've had chefs from um, Departure and chefs from Urban Farmer. And they've just added a lot to our community and they're having a lot of fun because we have an amazing um, commercial kitchen and uh, they get to kind of look at our donated food supplies and plan their menus and, um, and give back to the community. And, and so that's been, that's been really awesome. And, and, and a lot that's, that is, that sounds really fun. And our, so the job training that, that essentially happens for some of the residents are a number of them ending up in the, the food service or in, in kitchens around Portland once they leave? Is that, is that a primary job placement? Uh, not necessarily. Um, and, and a lot of them are coming from food service to begin mm -hmm. with. Really, this is an opportunity for them to um, kind of acclimate themselves to the house, um, to get a sense of, of who we are and what the different components of our program. It's a good chance to work on some soft skills um, things that are important if you're going to find stable employment, and that might be something as as common as you know showing up to your shift on time, um, making you know working well with others, following directions, taking initiative when initiative needs to be taken, and um, and it's really it's just a good opportunity to get to know everybody in the house and and to just kind of settle in, right? I mean, you know, moving into a program like this is is just like you know, starting a new job somewhere or moving into college, right? You need, you need an opportunity to kind of get yourself grounded, to figure out the relationships around you, to um, transition from what you were doing before, which might have not have been a very healthy existence perhaps, to, you know, just getting yourself squared away and ready for the next step in your journey. And, and then where is, I mean, again, 2,000 meals a day, that's a lot of food. Uh, where so, so some of that food's coming from Oregon Food Bank, is that correct? We do, we get a lot of food from Oregon Food Bank. Um, Trader Joe's is one of our most significant donors. And so we get deliveries, I think three or four times a week from Trader Joe's. Uh, we get donated food from a number of different bakeries and restaurants in town. Now, you know, a lot of that went away when everything got shut down. We used to get an enormous amount of food from the convention center um, or from other hotels or event spaces. Well, there's no events going on, right? So all of those kitchens are shut down. So when, when everything closed down in mid-March, we were kind of worried about, well, where was the food gonna come from? 
Uh, but we've been really fortunate. We, we still have an excellent supply of food. Uh, there's a lot of food that we purchase ourselves. Um, we're 100% donor uh, funded. Uh, we're not a government agency. We don't receive government funding for our services. So we rely on individual donations and um, corporate and foundation support um, to sustain our program. And so, um, but about 70 to 80% of the food that we serve is donated. I want to press you a little bit more on that just because it's, it's um, your demand has gone up, uh, but your, your, like you're saying, your donations, uh, as far as the food donations have gone down, how are you guys weathering this? You know, we're, we're weathering it okay, right? I mean, and, and really, I, I sort of look at that for, for the moment. Um, our sense is, is that we're going to be serving like this for a long time. Uh, I, I, I think it's obvious to anybody who's watching the news, um, although we're opening up here in Multnomah County and, and around um, the state, um, the virus hasn't gone away, right? The, the numbers seem to be increasing in a lot of places um, here in Oregon and, and around the, the country. So we think that we're gonna be living with this at Blanchet House for a long time in the future. And you know, to be honest, we don't really even see a date in the future when we'll be able to serve indoors again. So we're gonna be serving out our doors for quite some time. And how that's affected us cost-wise is you know, everything we serve has to have a container, right? So we've never, used, you know, I could buy a case of containers and it could last us for months. You know, we're blowing through cases in a single meal. Every single dish that we serve has to have some kind of clamshell or other kind of container. Every coffee that we serve in the morning has to have a hot beverage cup, um, glasses of milk, lemonade, right? And so, you know, the, the price point per meal has increased from about 33 cents a meal to close to $5 a meal when we consider all of the expenses that are directly re related to serving this food um, during this crisis. That includes having to hire some temporary help. Um, one of the things that we've been doing, uh, in addition to serving food, is handing out clothing at an astonishing rate. Uh, again, the people that we're serving, Phil, They've been on the street 24-7 since March 17th, right? They haven't been indoors, many of them. There's, there's nowhere to go that's open for them. And so life on the street is hard enough, but without any opportunity for um, rest or respite or doing laundry or getting showers, um, they're burning through clothing and sleeping bags and blankets. Um, at a pretty at a, an astonishing rate, and so we hand out clothing and other items for two hours a day, uh, Monday through Saturday. And one other service that we launched is we're now charging phones. Uh, we built out a first of its kind uh, mobile phone charging unit, and we can now charge up to sixteen devices at a time. And we do that two hours a day, um, six days a week, out of one of our doors. Um, so what we just try to do is keep responding to the need that presents itself. And uh, Scott, just, just listening to you, my, my, my stress levels are going up. I can only imagine this has been, uh, I mean, it's been a very trying time for uh, the clients that you're working with, but I can only imagine this has probably had you some, some sleepless nights for you. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's that's funny. So you know, I actually I'm I'm sleeping pretty good because ex exhaustion <laughs> is a real cure for uh, for insomnia. Um, but you know, the days are long. You know, and the days are long for everybody. But I think what what is really stressful is just a sense of how much the people that we're serving are suffering. Um, you know, one of the things that we see is their mental health. Um, the mental health crisis in our in our houseless community is is really skyrocketing. I mean, there there was already a lot of mental health crisis in the people we serve, and again, imagine you know what it would do to you in that state to be out on the street for over a hundred days now, with with no sense of of when that might end for you. Uh, we're seeing a lot of evidence of domestic violence um, in the people that we're serving. We're serving more women than we've ever served before. Uh, we're serving um, a community with a lot of physical disabilities. And, and so it's just, you know, our stress is, is trying to do as much as we can um, to meet their need and to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do in terms of fundraising and procuring donations so that we can be around um, for the duration of this crisis to serve at this high level. And Scott, you brought in uh, a song selection for us. It sounds like now might be a good time to drop that in and and uh, 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 bring some bring some hope here. That's right. Well, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope. What 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 song did you uh, bring for us? Well, well, I I suggested to you David Bowie's Heroes um, because one of the things that has really um, helped us get through this is is the people who have stepped forward. Um, as volunteers, uh, since day one in, in mid-March, we've had this core group of volunteers who show up every single day, uh, sometimes you know, twice a day early on because the need was so significant for help. And, and these people are, are just heroes to me.
That, of course, was David Bowie, Heroes. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am uh, pleased to be joined by Scott Kerman, Executive Director for the Blanchet House and Farm Programs. We're going to uh, wrap up our, our talk uh, just a little bit talking about yourself. Uh, you came here from the Gardner School of Arts and Sciences. That uh, seems like a very different demographic, a child-centric curriculum, arts, music, outdoor education. What's the common denominator? Well, the common denominator for me has been a career in nonprofit leadership. Um, once upon a time, I was actually a, a criminal defense attorney. I, I practiced in, in the state of Texas. And, but I realized law wasn't where my passion was. I really wanted to work in schools. And so I was a teacher um, for quite a bit of time and then moved into um, school leadership in um, the private and independent school community. Uh, and, and the move here to Blanchet House was, was for me, uh, in a lot of ways, a return to some of the work that I had done um, back when I was a lawyer. I, I not only did criminal defense, but I did a lot of, um, of public service and, and, and social law work and uh, legal aid kind of work. And so really working with the same kind of communities. Uh, but, you know, when this, when this position opened up, it, it seemed like an opportunity uh, to really help people who are in significant need and, and the mission just spoke to me. You know, at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about our mission and, and how, how simple it sounds, but it, it's not necessarily um, so simple to execute. But, but I love the simplicity of our, of our mission, right? What we do um, every day is we feed hungry people. And, and so when I go home at the end of the day and, and my family says to me, how was your day? You know, I get to say my day was great. And the reason my day was great is because we did what, what we're here to do. We fed hungry people and we did it with compassion and we did it with a sense of their dignity. And we're helping guys get their lives back on, on track here at the house and here at Blanchet Farm. And it really is, um, it's really a joy. There's a lot of joy in my work um, in the work that we do here and, and I just feel you know privileged to be able um, to be in this in this position at this time. Scott, I just want to wrap up uh, sort of as a, a teaser and introduction for what will be our next episode when we talk with uh, one of the beekeepers. Uh, so Blanchet House uh, also has has a farm in the country as it were. <laughs> Uh, so out in Carleton, which is mostly known maybe as wine, com wine country, um, talk to me a little bit about what's grown there, what's the history. Um, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little unsure. It was obviously not all the food is grown there. No, no. So, so Blanchet Farm um, has been around since um, the 60s. And it's, it's in Carleton, which is right outside of Newburgh. And, and it, the irony is it is wine country and it is beautiful out there, um, but it is a program for men um, with addiction, um, right? Downtown, not everybody living downtown is struggling with addiction, um, but at, at the farm, it's a 12 step program. But like Blanchet House for the first 90 days, the, the residents at the farm work the farm program. Um, it's therapeutic live animals, so we have pigs, chickens, ducks, goats. Um, we don't slaughter anything, you know, the, but, but the guys learn to take care of the animals. Uh, we do have gardens and some agriculture there. 
Uh, and we, we have a wood shop where they can learn woodworking skills and we make a lot of furniture and other products. And then we just started beekeeping. And so that launched about a month or so ago, thanks to a great volunteer that, that I met here at the downtown facility. And so, yeah, now we have guys who are learning how to um, take care of bees and, and hopefully um, this time next year, we'll have Blanche honey. That's wonderful. And, and it is, I mean, the location is really interesting. Um, Nicholas Kristoff, who's a columnist for the New York Times and, and grew up in that area and just released uh, a book and a documentary uh, called Tightrope, which is uh, a, a really broad and impactful film about addiction, uh, not only in that, that region of, of Oregon, but also some of the nationwide impacts on it. Um, it's really, this is, this is a nice sort of uh, counterbalance uh, to, to some of the, the problems that are out there and, and providing some optimism. Scott, it's been really wonderful to talk to you. It's really been, uh, 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 in spite of all the hardship that uh, your clients are going through and that you guys are working through, it's, it's been really uplifting to hear what you're doing. I appreciate uh, you taking the time and all the work that you guys have been uh, steadfast with. Well, I appreciate that, Phil, and it's been it's been a pleasure to speak with you as well, and and, and to share our story with your with your audience. and And if I could just you know a quick plug, if if anybody out there wants to learn more uh, about Blanchet House, they can they can go to our website, which is at blanchethouse.org, and uh, learn about our program and, and find ways to get involved and, and maybe volunteer. Scott Kerman is executive director for Blanchet House and Farm Programs. Thank you so much. Thank you, Phil. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email Phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.